0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years old, this is Emeritus Rex. I'm speaking very fast because Rabbi Ruvan Yeshua Pupko from Beth Israel Beth Cote Saint Luke, right near Montreal. Wow, you just got back from the front lines. Tell us quickly, why was it that you were out there? Obviously, we all know the war that's raging there. The whole world is involved in it.
1: What were you doing out there? What can you tell us about what you've seen? Go ahead. Um, I got to tell you, it was a... Emotionally overwhelming experience, a harrowing experience in many ways, because no matter how wonderful uh, has been the reporting, and it's been very comprehensive and detailed, the reporting uh, from the front lines, from the uh, from the border, to see it up, you know, to see it firsthand and, uh, and to see the people whose lives have been wrecked by this war, to see uh, not hundreds, not thousands, but tens of thousands of refugees pouring over the border all the time. Some on foot, some in cars, some in buses and trains coming over, mostly women and children. The men are staying behind to fight, uh, to walk into a train station of five large rooms, and every single inch is covered by uh, by, by a woman or a child or an older man uh, lying on blankets uh, without anything uh, besides what they can carry in their hands, uh, and is just a, a really... Uh, something uh it's it, it's it, it on, honestly it's the return of images from europe that we thought were part of the past it's now the present and um and this uh deliberate uh targeting of civilians in this war uh is uh is really uh has as you know people are paying a terrible price for it a terrible price
0: so why were you there other than, you know, being a test to testify to us about what was going on there? What was the official reason why you were going there? there
1: were two reasons. One was just that is in order to come back and report and encourage more support. And mm-hmm. the other was simply to try to do a little bit to help while we were there. Um, and uh, we were able to do that, thankfully, again, uh, uh, in our, you know, whatever we were able to do in terms of uh, a simple thing. Um, the major border crossing is medica that's one of the major border crossings i should say uh it's not it's very close to a shtetl that you know you, i'm sure you know about pshanishal where the pneshur was rough and, and an extraordinary shtetl and uh in history and uh, the border crossing's minutes away from there and um the um uh, you know the, the the first people on the ground First aid group uh, that that arrived was Hatsala and uh, Magain Magenda Dome. So right now and now many others have come, you come there, you can't even get close to the border by car, you have to walk it. This is the Polish this is the Polish uh Ukrainian the, the Polish border border. side of the border. This is the
0: Polish okay. side of the border. And and you were the, and, and even though you said Hatsala was there, but they were yeah. helping indiscriminately Jews and non Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no
1: there's no there's no selection so, process, no. Mm-hmm. So the point is it's a huge, huge area. Tents of different aid groups from around the world are there, uh, RVs from France, taking care of some kids from Spain. I mean, it's a remarkable sight to behold, uh, representing all the you know different countries and different organizations and, or international aid groups. And the first people on the ground were the Israelis. And uh, so right now, when a Ukrainian refugee crosses the border into Poland to find refuge. The first thing they see is Degal Medidi not there's the flag of Israel. It's is really unbelievable what they're doing. these are the same guys that were on the ground in Haiti and in other natural catastrophes they're on the ground there. Uh, they not only are they on the ground greeting refugees every single morning they load a truck with pharmaceuticals to cross into Ukraine. They cross into the uh, war-ravaged country. They cross into, the Ukraine, into Ukraine to to, uh, to deliver and to come back. And, and they take care of the refugees when they come. Again, there's a million different stories. Uh, some people are coming to Poland in order to stay in Poland. Some are coming with the hope to return to Ukraine. Some are coming as using Poland as a transit stop to get on to other countries in Europe or elsewhere where they can reunite with family. Uh, that lives in other places like Holland or Germany. But uh, it is... Uh, it is a mass of suffering, humanity, and uh, and to see the Jewish frontline engagement with this crisis is something special. There's a, one man I have to mention. His name is Zbis Berber. He's an old friend of mine. Uh, he was a, a, a tour educator in Poland and in Israel. He runs something called J Roots, where before COVID he was taking groups every month uh, into Poland from mostly European groups and uh, and American groups and uh and now he's transformed his operation into a refugee aid uh and he does a bare bones operation him and one other guy he's the purchasing agent he drives the van he does the distribution it's incredible what he's doing uh he's gotten support he continues to be able to do what he, what he does when we were there you know the other guy told us they need a doctor he you know and we found them a doctor in montreal who speaks ukrainian who's, who's flying over today to help out for a week And that's what they need volunteers. They do. They need money. They need volunteers. They need goods. They need pharmaceutical stuff, especially. Uh, We were distributing blankets, uh, uh, heat warming packets for hands and feet, uh, toys for the kids, chocolates for the kids. That's what we were doing. We were wandering around. And I have to tell you when you uh, see the face amongst the thousands, the face of a Jew who sees you with a keeper and comes over. With tears in his eyes, pointing to himself, Moshe, Schleiber, right? Rock when they come over to you. It is overwhelming. The the safety and security that they feel when they engage with one of their own is something overwhelming. And that's what my you know, it's Sperber is doing, that's what El is doing, my David Dome. It is overwhelming. They're helping everybody, but the joy feeling of hope. They're able to impart other Jews and real substantive help in the worst moments of their lives is, is a Kiddush Hashem beyond words.
0: I'm sure. So Rabbi, you're, you're definitely uh, an advocate and you are going to push anybody who's going to hear this, that they should uh, call their funds that they were maybe going to give for Matanah Slavionim and other things and try to uh, send money through uh, like which any of the agencies uh, that you're mentioning Bukonde David great work
1: the joint is doing great work uh Sol is doing great work uh, J Roots is doing great work uh, I mean water- I mean I mean
0: talking about in Oniva Evion, these are people who are uh, awesome this,
1: this is it this is it. this is this is the this is the cost of the day, it has to be
0: the cause of the day. And, Almost like the maybe the shoals throughout the world should uh, should try to you know make that point that despite all the poverty that we know is rampant in other parts of the world, right now this is uh, a, a type of uh, humanitarian crisis, especially a Jewish crisis as well. Right as you saying that then. And 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 you're sure. I mean, look, nobody can be sure, considering how uh, the crisis of a, of a war situation and things being un uh, being unsettled. But we know it, it's your feeling, at least from your understanding, that the funds are getting there. It's not like they're being intercepted or being taken Listen,
1: by. Listen, everybody loves to be cynical about organizations and overhead, and, but I got to tell you, you get more on the ground. Every nickel of that is getting is, is, is being put to use immediately. The mm-hmm. need is overwhelming, and uh, and what people are doing, what the aid workers are doing, is unbelievable. These are not professional tzedekim, these are amateur tzedekim, <laughs> and uh, and they're doing a great job, they're doing an absolutely great job. These <laughs> Look, you know, obviously, you know, you're a
0: very politically savvy person, which is why we even, you know, this, the, the show's purpose is not just to give, uh, uh, to be a fount of rabbinic wisdom of what it means behind the pulpit, but also about what it means to be engaged to the greater community. What's your sense about the way things are progressing there now that you are really on the ground?
1: Listen, it, it, no one, every day, hundreds of thousands are crossing. Again, where every day you, you see the numbers, it's up to 2.2 2 million. I believe, as of yesterday, people are projecting. God forbid, it could go to four or five million refugees, and nobody, no one country can handle that alone. Uh, the Polish people have been responding with fabulous generosity, uh, opening their homes to strangers, uh, Jew and non-Jew alike. I met, I I a rabbi in Warsaw. Yesterday morning, who has five refugees sleeping in his house? And this is, goes for Jewish poles, Catholic poles. People are opening up their homes. But, but we, uh, know ev-
0: we know that we know eventually that type of presence right. is going to cause an instability in the economies, whether it's in Poland or like it was in Bosnia. You know, when we had the. Um... I know this,
1: this is again what the West has to has to stand up. Uh, Poland needs help. Um, so what did, do
0: you see do you again do you see uh the imposition of no fly zones? do you see a strengthening well, honestly,
1: of you listen i think uh it's hard to advocate for a strategy that could possibly trigger a conflagration beyond our imagination so I understand the reticence to impose a no fly zone, but certainly what has to happen is an increase in military aid. To to Ukraine right now, it's still eight. You're still able to get military aid into the country, and that and that needs to continue. Uh, and uh, oh, why, why
0: can't those images of what you're talking about, those heartbreaking images of of refugees that are obviously are non combatants who are innocent, maybe is it possible? Do you think a pressure on Putin can be imposed to allow at least um, safe passage for these for those uh, people? cynically
1: well, using safe passages in a way that it's never happened before he's, he's, he's fictionalizing safe passage he's creating passages back to Russia or Belarus uh, they need safe passage to Poland and Moldova and, and they're not getting it and, and, and refugees have been bombed we know that um, again what's the end game here two things have happened that have surprised Putin number one the strength and resilience uh, in the in Ukraine itself not just in their courage to fight and to stay and to to confront uh, the Russian assault. Uh, But also, I think Putin imagined that there was a slice of that, a significant slice of the country that would want Russia to dominate, right? There were were pro-Russian voices there in the past. That's evaporated, that's gone, that's gone. Putin relied on that, I believe, and that's gone. Uh, So the resilience of the Ukrainian people and the unity of the Ukrainian people is a surprise to, to Putin. The other thing that is a surprise to Putin is the uh, is the unity in the West and the, and the and the and the and the relative vigor of the economic sanctions that have been imposed. Uh, that is certainly a surprise because, based on precedent, he had every reason to expect he could get away with this. Based on the, the weak response to Crimea and Donbass and other things in two thousand eight, two thousand fourteen, so he had every reason to expect uh, a response that he could weather. But he can't. This this is too much. So the problem is with a man who invest so much uh, of, of, of his energy into pride, how does he back off uh, without humiliation? And so what you try to do in a situation like this is to construct for him a fig leaf, right? How does he stop and still be able to maintain some kind of pretense yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of, of at least no defeat? <laughs> and that's hard to imagine here. That's the
0: problem. Yeah, They've talked about, and I know that you don't have much time, but they've talked about the idea of uh, 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 some power sharing in the government. Uh, look, we know that as, you know, Putin seems to have incredible resolve. Everyone has been saying that and um, whether the sanctions are really going to hit to the heart of. Uh, of Russia or not, he's got this army, and eventually, uh, you know, the power of the tanks, the power of the planes; uh, those are going to probably win the day, despite the uh, courageous so resistance. What is
1: winning? What does winning look like for Putin? What yeah. does that mean? Does it mean installing a puppet regime? Um, what What does it mean? And, uh, and and it's hard to imagine any vision of Putin's victory being sustainable. The Ukrainian people will not tolerate it. We know that they'll put their lives on the line.
0: Hold Even on, if it, Hold on one second. And I know you're exhausted, but I know your ever fertile mind has been thinking about some ideas, especially as we approach Purim and Parsha Zohar. And I'm sure the uh, the events that you've experienced uh, will definitely uh, color the idea that you want to share with us on this on this Parsha. Go ahead, uh, Rabbi. I'll,
1: I'll just end with Hazal. Pirkei Rebelezer asks a question which is astonishing and i'll tell you something if the Picard of leazar stopped with the question it would itself be unbelievable but it provides an answer um, the uh, the medrash asks a question that i don't think any other jew ever asked but it's a very important question the posik says the I mean the sorry the medrash says the posik says is the country remember Shabbos. And the Pesach also says, Esa, Sher, Asala, Cha, Malik. remember I'm Malik. And the Medrash goes, Heich how can you do both? Now, what does that even mean, that question? What do you mean? We've been doing both for a long time. What does it mean, how do you do both? But it's a, such a deep and profound question. Question is, what's going to be your Yiddishkeit? Your Yiddishkeit is going to be Shabbos. And when I say Shabbos, I think of the mega idea of Shabbos, meaning Jewish values, Jewish life, Jewish learning. How are you going to do that? Are you, is that going to be your Yiddishkeit or is it going to be a Amalek? Remembering the enemy, remembering the pain of the past, remembering all of that, which of course is something we, which is an imperative to do. But the question is, there are times when maybe the Zahir of Amalek blocks out Shabbos. And there are times maybe when your Shabbos blocks out the necessity to remember history. So the question is, how do you do both? And, and the measure seems to answer, and again, you should read it on your own, everyone should, because it's a very, it's, I don't know, it, it, it's almost a cryptic answer. They say, you know, Amalek is kos shel chometz. Right, it's a bitter cup of wine. Shabbos is kos shel kunditon. Right, uh, I don't know a good translation of that, but good wine. He says, which is more important? And of course, which is better? You have to have Shabbos. What, what that to me tells me is the following, that in a moment like this, we could be guided by the memory of a malik and the memory of what happened to us at the hands of the grandparents of those who are now refugees. That could be our response. Look what they did to us. These are the people who, again, Ravaged our communities in so many different times. But if that's all your, your Yiddishkeit is triggered by, you're forgetting the Kais Shelkundidin, the Jewish values. And yes, literally in the same place, to literally the children of the same people, where our people suffered so much, that same border area, we know exactly what happened there. We know who were pushed across that border uh, in, in, in brutal and murderous ways. We know all of that. We know all of that. But the Zichir Shabbos comes first. The Jewish values come first. And um the world is not what it was eighty years ago. There are certain things that never change, but there are things that do change. There's a Jewish president in Ukraine who was voted in by 73% of the country. So for the memory of a to be the only thing that guides us, we would lose Zahirah, we would we would lose Zaharz Shabbos, Zakash. We would forget. We would forget Jewish values and we have to have both.
0: I, I, I obviously second that that idea and I would say also, and again, maybe I know if you agree with me on this, we should be a little bit suspicious of easy labeling as well, as terrible as what Putin is uh has unleashed. Let's not necessarily, you know, paint everything in black and white colors of of, you know, he's Hitler, he's Amolik, um, this is Stalin again. Um, there are things, as you know, it's, it's a much more subtle uh, situation, and I think, although we're not going to be making those decisions, I think when we treat people with that subtlety, I think that the possibility of a, some sort of resolution, you know, uh, is, is much more probable as opposed to branding people uh, with the Amalek seal.
1: That's a discussion that's 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 worth having at a certain point, but right now. There is wickedness, the deliberate targeting of of, of cities in ukraine there's there's it, this is again grotesquely evil what's going on to the people of ukraine, but in the world of the doable, it is really hard to imagine any resolution which allows Putin to walk away from this conflict with a pretence of dignity, which is what you have to figure out how to do that also allows. The, the people of Ukraine to have justice. In other words, if the only resolution someone comes up with is some kind of dilution of Ukrainian independence, uh, a lopping off of Ukrainian territory, a lot, you know, a compromising of Ukraine's prerogatives in the international arena, the Ukraine, the people of Ukraine won't accept it. So in the, in the, in the world of what's doable, it's really hard to imagine A a deal that allows the Ukrainian people uh, to feel that they've received justice and at the same time for Putin to be able to retreat without humiliation, because if you want peace in Ukraine, you have to figure out how to get Putin out without total humiliation. And it's really hard to imagine both those things happening under any arrangement.
0: Well, I, I know it's very difficult times. Obviously, the sanctions that have been imposed aren't just on Russia. It also has a ripple effect in terms of, um, you know, the, the the increase of the cost of living everywhere across in the Western countries here, in, in, of course, in America and in Canada. So we're all, in, in a way, feeling these reverberations. But in the Jewish world, especially as we obviously extend our tefillas to all those communities, uh, Mavurach, that the Secretary of State of Yiddishkeit in Canada uh is definitely still on the job and is willing at a moment's notice
1: to go there and serve. I will let your, will let your bizarre overstatement uh, stand. Oh, yeah, okay uh, I know <laughs> No, you know, in
0: your heart you're saying what do you mean secretary of state? I am the king. I am the, <laughs> uh, gonna, we will have a uh, let's try to have a framework and remember uh, check your internet sites find places, do your due diligence and send that money, the that us that you were perhaps thinking about uh, this is where it's needed, this is where you can actually be Matzo mamish nefashis and try to build people's lives back take care everybody, we'll hopefully see you after Purim take care Rabbi, bye bye thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of York at IDT podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode